Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedikin. How's your week, Desi? Pretty amazing. <laughs> you know what? It's been a hell of a week. You know, I try. I try. I tried. You tried? I Did tried. Did you not succeed? No. Okay. I mean, I feel like sometimes I feel like, oh, I didn't die. <laughs> like I have a very low threshold for success right. this year. Yeah. Um, I had a fun night. I last had some night. moments of fun, like genuine fun. Right. So that's always a success. Yeah. That's um, good. And then I think, yeah, but you know, it's still hell. We just got really real in the opening of this show. Yeah. But actually right now on a more humorous note, and it's not necessarily um, murder, but it is a Hollywood crime. Right now we have to suffer hearing um, Rachel's neighbors listen to the live version of A Christmas Carol, the musical, which I did not even know was a musical. I think they made it a musical for this broadcast. When I actually arrived at Rachel's house, it was the end of a number called um, You'll Shoot Your Eye Out. Uh. And that's how it ended. That was the last line of the thing. It was about the line from the movie where the guy's going to wants the gun, but his mom's like, no, you'll shoot your eye out. So it was a whole song and dance number. I walk up to the thing and this is what I hear. You'll shoot your eye out. Bump. Like that was the big dramatic <laughs> ending. I'm sorry. I'm like so irritated about it and I can't even express why it's irritating to me. But as a fan of musical theater, that's good. I found it very like in poor taste, not only in poor taste, but just like so generically, like such a generic musical ending. Uh, yeah. I, I couldn't see it, but I just pictured them with their hands up in the air and kind of like doing that heavy breathing. Like <laughs> we just danced a lot, a lot and now, now we're ending it and we're smiling, but we're still <laughs> heavy breathing because <laughs> we just danced a lot and sang a lot. But now we have to smile at the end with our hands up in the air. No one knows what I'm talking about. I'm I know sorry. what you're talking about. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's just like, come on. Okay. It's amateur hour here. Right. So um, I'm sure it's very good. <laughs> I'm not criticizing artists because I know they work hard. And no one sets out to make a piece of crap. So I've heard. I truly believe that right. everyone worked really hard. Right. And we're trying to put on a good show. But you I know what? Too. It's and not my like cup of tea. And we the actors involved. Do we? Who's in it? I don't know. David Allen Greer. Oh, yeah. I Maya, like David. Maya Rudolph. Hey, David. <laughs> he sometimes listens. He's my butt on Twitter. <laughs> Oh, I, oh, wait, did he play Santa? I did see something about this. Oh, so he was in Up in Santa's Lap. He was lap. the one. He was I just the heard one. That was Santa's Lap. David, oh. now I'm going to have to write some lewd things to him about Santa's Lap. Okay, good. So that'll make it all better. He'll okay, good. Me. I like this story as a happy ending. Yeah, it does. Okay, now we're better. See, I just had to, to rag on something for a second. Yeah, uh -uh. well, this is, I was really excited to research this episode this week because it involves a television show that I was a huge fan of in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And it's the Jenny Jones show. Ugh, Do classic. you remember this show? Of course. Did you watch of this? Of course I watched Jenny Jones. I watched all the trashy 90s daytime talk I shows. I loved Jenny Jones and I loved Ricky Lake. <laughs> loved Ricky, loved Sally. But Jenny Jones was sort of, she was like I loved another it. Level. It was like sea level. Like as far as the daytime talk shows, she was not like, there's like no. Oprah, Ricky Lake is maybe B-list. Right. And then Jenny Jones and Sally Jesse Raphael are like C. No, right? I, Jenny Jones actually, in my opinion, was even below Maury. Jenny Jones was a step above Jerry Springer, but <coughs> right below Maury. Because Maury, oh. Jenny Jones, um, her show was like Jerry Springer in that there was 
crazy yelling and antics, but it was more structured than a Jerry Springer show. She wasn't trying to help anyone like Oprah was. And hers were more trashy, kind of tabloidy. Right. But she did every once in a while. And we're gonna we're gonna get into um, talking about her show right now um, and the genesis of it. So it began in September of 1991, and it starred Jenny Jones, of course who, before getting her own talk show, was a comedian, an actress, and a drummer in a rock band. And her photos, we have to find some because they're amazing. Oh, they're fucking fantastic. <laughs> they're so 80s. Her hair. Early 90s. Like, yeah, she had the classic, I don't know, like the metalhead, but kind of... Like Hesher but hair. Like metalhead, but like good girl. like Right. You know. Right. Of. It was like Walmart brand Lita mm-hmm. Ford. Exactly. I was trying to think Lita Ford. Perfect. Right. So Jenny was born June 7th, 1946 to Polish immigrants. Before ascending to fame as the next big talk show host, she appeared as a contestant on The Price is Right, Oh my God. Press Your Luck, and The Match Game. When the Jenny Jones show debuted, it was designed to be more along the lines of a serious talk show like Oprah. And at that time, Oprah was blowing up. Oprah, I guess, began in 1986, I think. Right. Uh, so by 91, Oprah was like you know, a household name. She had her big talk show and her show was hugely successful. And that's the Jenny Jones show was sort of modeled to be closer to right. Oprah. Everyone was like, let's get the next Oprah. Right. And at that time, like I said before, there was also Sally, Jesse, Raphael. There was the Phil Donahue show, which I also loved. Well, Donahue was before Oprah. Right. But that was still, uh, I mean, still he going. was, he was very much like in my mind, when I think of the Phil Donahue show, I guess I think of like my early childhood, like late eighties, early nineties. Right. I mean, Donna, Donahue and Oprah were the first two huge. Right. However, ratings in the early days of the Jenny Jones show were not good. So in 1993, the Jenny Jones show pivoted to trashier content. And this reminds me of a lot of shows that first weren't very successful in the beginning and then became successful a couple like years after, just like my favorite show, Melrose Place. Right. They, they do like a major change. They did a major change, which was they brought Heather Locklear on in the end of the first season. Right. And then the show became successful because it didn't do well because it was sort of bland and not the drama wasn't that crazy. Right. But once they started creating these like insane fucking storylines and this crazy like bitch hot character in Amanda Woodward, it, all it of a kind sudden, of went back to the classic sort of dynasty and Dallas, like the right. insane storylines. Um, and that's what the Jenny Jones show began to do. Popular themes on the show were wild, out of control teens. There was a lot of makeover shows where they would take people who were either dressed really slutty or dressed like punk rockers or um, just dressed in any kind of bizarre freakish way, like out of the norm counterculture way. And they would make them over by the end of the show because their parent or family member was usually like, I don't like the way they dress. You know, I'm embarrassed when we go out in public. And I, those were, those were some of my favorites were the makeover ones, especially the makeover ones that were like a crossover with the wild out of control teens. Right. I, loved I love the it. wild. Cash me outside. The originals. The originals, but right. but the cash me that? out. I'm sorry, <laughs> but the cash me outside girl is so boring compared to some of the girls that I grew up. Well, with. hers is such a put on. I mean, it's so put on. But these girls. By the way, a friend of mine was on the flight last year where she uh, went crazy and got kicked off like a Florida Air. Oh, that's or some, amazing. I can't remember what flight. What what 
trash airline it was. Right. <laughs> Spirit, Florida. Oh, I think it was Spirit. You're right. Spirit, awesome. Yeah. But these girls, they would show up and they would be, I mean, it, you could not have these shows on today because it was essentially like, it's exploitive. It's very exploitative. It was very tawdry. There would always be like some teenage girl whose mom was freaking out, rightly so, because their daughter was on drugs and sleeping with men right. and dressing like a stripper and she's only like 13 years old. And then the teen girl, like they'd bring the teen girl out and she'd like bust through the curtains and the whole audience would be like, and the audience was very much like, did you say you put Jenny Jones below Maury? Yes. And I I'll, mean, at that time I agree, I'll but Maury got why. trashier. Okay. I'll explain to you Maury why. Maury got way trashy. He got way trashier and Maury was trashy, but Jenny Jones, like you could tell Maury like kind of like tried he to. he came from a more traditional yeah. journalism background or whatever. Or he's broadcasting. Married to, he's married to Connie Chung. Uh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> and Connie Chung is a fucking legend. Right. That's what I mean. Like, he came from a more traditional broadcasting. I don't know if he was ever a Right, journalist. but Jenny Jones, that's what I'm saying. She was a She's comic. She's like a comic. She was a comic, and she... In quotation marks. There's actually footage, and we should post it on our Twitter, a link of her on YouTube, where she is doing stand-up comedy in the 80s with her Hesher hair. Uh, and I remember her outfits, too, were, like, very, like, sexy Paula Poundstone. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> like, just totally. like, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. But Jenny Jones, like, really reveled in the trashiness of her show. You could tell. Like, she was really, like, kind of, like, ri- like to rile the audience up and um, and the the people on her show up. So, um, like I was ta- just talking about, about the teens who were on her show, they would come out and, and the audience was very much an active participant in all of her shows. They'd be yelling and screaming, just like on any Jerry right. Springer, Maury show. And... You know, they'd be booing the teenage girls who were rude to their mothers or dressed like, you know, dressed too provocatively. And the teenage girl would come out being like, sit down, sit down. I look good. I look good. And they'd always cut to some person in the audience being like, no. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like Like mouthing and shaking their head. Nope. And then then she would take the mic and go into the audience and be like, what do you think about Trisha? And the audience member would be like, I think Trisha needs to respect her mother. She right. looks like garbage and she looks like a trashy hoe. And the audience would go like, Ooh, and they'd yeah, laugh. And you're like, oh, and- it's a 12 year old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like- <laughs> it, you could never have this show today. Right. Like, it, it, it no, I mean, this would be like viral videos constantly. Like they bullied her. <laughs> right. Like Go fund me would be like going crazy. I mean, it was fucking crazy. So, uh, there were those and there was also, um, cheating or jilted lover episodes cousins who are in love i I watched i love the incest themed ones oh my god they're they're good fucking amazing that's just a topic close to my heart (laughs) (laughs) topic very close to Desi's heart uh i re-watched a lot of these old episodes some of them are available on youtube and that's what i did this week and i was like it was like a total nostalgia walk down memory lane i mean like you understand like i any if I was homesick from school, like, of course, I would watch The Price is Right. But, like, when Jenny Jones rolled around at, like, 1 p.m., I was all over it. I, I liked those shows a lot, too. And I was probably, like I said before, the most into the Ricky Lake show. Like, yeah. I loved that show when it came on. It was great. Uh-huh. So, um, by the mid-'90s, these kinds of daytime talk shows, they ruled the air. Like, yeah. I mean, Oprah was really popular, but these shows dominated just as much as oprah did well i feel like now there's only like very popular ones like ellen 
right or whatever but back then there was like 10 on and they were all they were fine like you watch them all right (laughs) and oprah was a very different show than these ones obviously oprah Oprah came on at 4 p.m it was dignified and this show was not dignified at all um this show is the Tanya Harding. <laughs> it was the Tanya Harding of talk shows, and it was amazing, just right. like Tanya Harding. And and Jenny Jones had that kind of crunchy blonde hair. She did. <laughs> she had many hairstyles throughout right. the run of the show, and it was always... Um, I just think of that as that blonde hair color that I do bleached. not like. Yeah. So, in March 6th of 1995, Jenny Jones did an episode called Secret Crushes. Oh, those were good. Yeah. 24-year-old Jonathan Schmitz, Schmitz, Jonathan Schmitz, was told that he had a secret admirer and was asked to be a guest on the Jenny Jones show to find out who it was. The show opened with Jenny Jones talking to the audience or talking to the camera, and she said, this is what Jenny Jones says to open this show. Now, which of these ways would you choose to reveal your secret crush to someone? Would you, A, write that person a letter, B, would you tell that person in private in case he rejects you, or C, would you tell that person that you're gay and hope that he is on national television? To which the audience erupts in laughter and screams and hoots and hollers and cheers. She actually opened the episode with that? That's how the episode opens Uh of this show. So at this point, was Jonathan suspicious? (laughs) No. We're going to talk about that. Okay. So before Jonathan Schmitz came out on the stage, the audience was introduced to Donna and her friend Scott Amador. Scott is a 32-year-old bartender from the Orion Township of Michigan. He lives in a trailer park and enjoys watching the drama of other people's lives unfold on daytime talk shows, much like the Jenny Jones show. Scott has a crush on his acquaintance, Jonathan Schmitz, who he met through his friend Donna when he was working on her car. This is where his crush developed. So Jenny next starts asking Scott what it is that he likes about Jonathan and if he has any fantasies about him, to which mm. the audience is just lapping Ooh, this up. Ooh. Yeah. And let's all like uh, just remember that this is taking place in 1995 when uh, gay relations are still very much a taboo, even though it's... It's more accepted, it's but it more, was still like a, ooh, like and, it had an extra added sort of it was scandalous nature right you know not everybody was out it was still you know it was like a lot different back then um you know that's over that's like 25 years ago 22 years ago okay whatever math genius sorry it's 22 (laughs) years ago that this was going on so obviously america's attitudes about homosexuality are a lot more backwards right back then and close-minded than they are today and like I said before, you know, in the same vein of you couldn't have this kind of show on really today uh, or a lot of the ways that this show used to operate today, um, just the reaction of the audience alone is so rooted in that kind of homophobia because they're laughing anytime the word gay is right. said. It's and, all titillating to think of gay sex or whatever. Right. It's like a big yeah. joke. And so 
There's also this idea already, I think, that this guy's going to be embarrassed and humiliated. Yeah. It's like, right. this. oh, this is going to be good. Like, right. this guy has a gay crush on someone. Yeah. Let's watch this show. Yeah. So Scott begins to describe different scenarios about his fantasies that he has about his acquaintance, Jonathan Schmitz. Jenny says, <clears throat> when he was under the car, you had a fantasy about him. Scott says, yeah, something to do with brake oil lines snapping. What? <laughs> and the audience is like, woo, and freaking out. But what is that sex act? No, it just means that he like wants to, he's like the first time he ever met Jonathan Schmitz, he was working on their mutual friend Donna's car. And all he could see was like his, the bottom half of him because he was underneath her car. So Scott sees him and he's like, oh, I just want one of those brake oil lines to snap and just get black oil all over oh his body. i see god that is such a pedestrian fantasy like I delicious black jizz <laughs> Ooh, i just want to like <laughs> i mean what it's like the slow-mo and he takes his shirt off to to get the black oil off yeah i, so I don't even know enough about cars to know what's hot because i was like oh does that mean the car would fall off <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sure there's a fetish for that okay i mean yeah there's a fetish for everything scott goes on to say next I got a pretty big hammock in my yard and I thought about tying him up to my hammock. Jesus. And audience, I like how he's like everyone's aunt right now with 50 shades of gray. Right. This is how much things have changed. <laughs> Dude, a hammock. Really? I mean, these fantasies are so blo like they're so your Facebook auntie like, Ooh, Christian gray. Also, <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> I don't think he's really thinking this whole fantasy through with the hammock because hammocks, um, Hammocks are difficult to get in and out of, in my opinion. Right. And you tie this guy up to the hammock. Like, I just imagine you, like, try to get on top of him as he's tied up in your hammock and the hammock just flipping over. Well, maybe he just wants it. to tie him up on the hammock and look at him. And rock him back and forth like or a just, baby? just, like, jerk off on him. I don't know. Well, he had a fantasy about the hammock. Right. And Jenny Jones wants to know more. She's, like, goading him into, like, no, tell, tell the audience more about what you want to do right. to this guy. And Scott says, well, it entails like whipped cream and champagne. Oh, my God. Has this guy ever had sex? I'm sorry. <laughs> so before taping of this episode began, Donna and Scott were told by producers that they should have a few drinks to help them loosen up before really? the show. Yes. Wait, I love that his friend is Donna. I know. Donna's like my favorite name. for Donna like <laughs> is. Yeah. We'll post a picture of Donna. They were given money by the show to use at the hotel bar. So the pair of friends had a few drinks. They had some Chablis. <laughs> they had vodka. Okay. So Ugh. next on the show, Jonathan is then introduced to the stage to the roaring delight of the audience. And Jenny thinks this is all really funny. Like they're playing this big trick on him. I mean, that's like the whole vibe. Right. Of the show right now is like this guy just did walking out. Doo, 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 I'm going to find some, out like, hot woman he works with my, has a crush on her. Literally. And yeah. we'll get into that later. Uh, you know, this is, oh, my God, I'm going to find out my crush. Um, and Jonathan's a handsome guy. So Jonathan walks out on the stage. He sees his friend Donna. Handsome-ish. He's handsome-ish. I mean, he's not ugly. Whatever. He's a good looking guy. He hugs his friend Donna. And then he does this. He sees Scott. He does this really awkward hug with Scott. It's like a really. It's like probably one of the most awkward Did you hugs. see this, this on online? Yes. I oh, watched okay. it. I thought that they never released it. They didn't. But you can see clips of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
So Jenny Jones is like, mm. Mm. she goes, I bet you think the girl has a crush on wow, you. Wow, they were so subtle. <laughs> she goes, I bet you think it's Donna who has a crush on you, don't you? And Jonathan's like looking around like, what? And, and Jenny Jones goes, it's actually Scott. Jesus Christ. And everyone's laughing. Jonathan looks super embarrassed and they're all sitting down next to each other at this point. He looks super embarrassed and, and really nervous and like, Oh my God, what am I fucking doing? But he's trying to look like a good sport. He's like laughing playfully, but also you can just tell he's super uncomfortable by all of this. And then he points to his friend Donna and says, you lied to me. Then, Jenny plays the clip of Scott talking about the whipped cream fantasies for Jonathan and the studio audience. And Jonathan is just mortified. Then he says, I am a heterosexual. Now, Jonathan, who um, was 24 at the time, he had been engaged to a woman, but the couple had broken off their engagement a few months before the taping of the show. Jonathan had actually hoped that maybe his ex was the one with the secret crush on him and that they would reunite on this show. He also wondered if his secret admirer was a girl at work that he had been flirting with. So at this point, before he goes on the show, he didn't initially want to agree to do this, but his coworkers hype kind of were like, just do it, do it. What if it's this girl or what if it's, what if it's your ex? Like you should just do it. You should do it. So they convinced him to do it. And he ends up eventually getting himself pretty pumped up about the potential for a new romance or reigniting this old romance in his life. And before the show, he buys $300 worth of new clothes to wear on the show to meet. He went to Chess King. He He looks so sincere when you said that. I'm just trying to picture like where he would go to spend money on wardrobe. I mean, he's so 90s. He's got his like Z Cavaricis. Totally. Yeah. His like sweater vests and shit. Okay. Okay. Guess. Guess. (laughs) If we're lucky. Beauty should be good for you. And that's why we're excited to tell you about Beauty Counter. Beauty Counter is a clean makeup and skincare brand that started in 2013, disrupting the beauty industry by shedding a light on the need for stronger ingredient regulations in the personal care products that we use daily. Today, Beauty Counter is the leading clean beauty brand creating innovative and high-performing products that are safer and cleaner than even their like-minded competitors. So what do we mean by clean? Over 1,800 questionable ingredients are never used in Beauty Counter's formulations. They call this their never list. You can learn more at beautycounter.com, where you're also going to want to check out their incredible products. Best of all, if you're a new customer and you order through March 15th, you'll get free shipping on your order of $100 or more when you use the code HOLLYWOOD. Once again, to get free shipping on your order of $100 or more, go to beautycounter.com and use the code HOLLYWOOD. As most of us have found out the hard way, getting into debt is easy, getting out of it is hard, especially if your credit score isn't great. Thankfully, now there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that knows you're more than just your credit score and offers smarter interest rates to help you pay off high-interest credit card debt. I know firsthand that there's nothing more frustrating than trying to pay something down and your payments are pretty much just paying off the interest. 
Upstart goes beyond the traditional credit score when assessing your credit worthiness. Upstart believes you're more than just your credit score. They believe in you. The best part? Once the loan is approved and accepted, most people get their funds the very next business day. Over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards or meet their financial goals. So free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. See why Upstart is top-ranked in their category with a 4.9 out of 5 rating on Trustpilot and hurry to upstart.com slash Hollywood to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes. That's upstart.com slash Hollywood. So um, after the taping, Jonathan returns home to Michigan, which is where this trio is all from. And he spends the night getting wasted with coworkers. And he ends up staying up the entire night getting drunk. And the next morning, Jonathan finds a note on his door. It was from Scott. It said, if you really want to get it off, I'm the only one who has the right tool. Jesus Christ. (laughs) These people are terrible at at sex. (laughs) Right? I mean, I know it's not really the most important thing, but like, my God. So Jonathan Schmitz had a history of mental illness and alcoholism. Hmm. In the past, he had locked himself in closets for days and even built shrines to his ex-girlfriends. Jonathan also may have been closeted. A local gay bar called Club Flamingo, which I'm sorry, is just like the most... I would love to go to this club. I would too. I actually... Can I just have a brief transgression here? Yes. Or or whatever? Um, my favorite gay bar when I was growing up, like after when I could go to a bar was, um, on, in like a really working class neighborhood of Long Island and it was called Blanche. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like the most working class gay bar I have ever been to. And it's, I've never surpassed my level of joy (laughs) at a gay bar than I did at Blanche because it was all like blue collar gay guys and Blanche, like this blue collar working class Billy Joel type town. And like, they would have things like wire hanger night. Like their gay, <laughs> their level right. of gay was like introduction. Like it was like they had just discovered mommy dearest. Like, right. And I was like madly in love with them. I was the only woman who ever went and I would sing karaoke there and they would actually ask me to sing like one moment in time by Whitney Houston. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. But I was like, th- I, and I was literally like a star there. I was like, they, they had me on a pedestal and I was just like, I love Blanche. Like, I want to go to Blanche. I wonder if it's still there. I would love oh to go God. again. It was so good. That's such a good name, too. Blanche. I know. And I was That's like, that so is such a good name. And it's, it's like a perfect bar name. But it was like a dive bar, too. It was not a club. Like Club, club Flamingo. Club Flamingo. <laughs> I mean, that sounds... Which like, has Miami Vice decor, right? okay. probably. Sorry, that's my little side note. Shout out to Blanche. Shout out to Blanche. So, it was reported by... Um, an employee at Club Flamingo that they had seen Jonathan Schmitz at their establishment before. And that he would basically just go in, walk around by himself and leave. But he'd been there. So that seems pretty typical of a closeted person, maybe like stepping in, testing the waters, but like just seeing if something happens, but not pursuing anything necessarily. Right. Right. That's possible. Yeah. So on, on March 9th, 1995, just three days after the taping of the Jenny Jones show, Jonathan Schmitz went to the bank and withdrew some money. Next, he purchased a shotgun. Then he headed to Scott Amador's home. 
Jonathan walked up to Scott in his, in, went into his mobile home and shot him twice in the chest and left. When his neighbor and friend, 50-year-old Gail Clinton, found him, she said that there was smoke pouring out of his chest. Smoke? Yes, that is what she said. Like, because he'd just been blown away by a shotgun. So like she came chest, upon him like, right, after. right after. Like, it was like a cartoon. Jesus. Like, there was smoke pouring out of his chest. Um, she later said, which I thought was a weird thing to say, she said, all I can think right now is that he's got to be happy He's probably looking down and saying, I knew I'd make it on TV. Ugh. Yeah. Um, so 15 minutes later, after the murder, Jonathan calls the police and he confessed to the crime. He told the 911 dispatcher that he had felt humiliated by the Jenny Jones show and that Scott had, quote, fucked him on national TV. That's an interesting choice of words. Well, it is interesting because there's also been some speculation that Scott and Jonathan did end up fucking right. after the Jenny I Jones heard, show. That's what I was going to say, but I didn't know if you were getting to it. Yes. What did you hear? I thought it was something like um, that when they went out, the drinking he did was with Scott. That night he went out drinking. That was speculated. And that was where they had the sexual encounter. Right. And then that the note was what set him off. Like, because he was in a sober state of mind, he realized right he that he done. had maybe fooled around. Like, maybe they didn't fuck, but maybe right. they fooled around, and Scott thought there would be more. Right, uh, and that—that's what I had. But so I'm—I I'm, I never thought it was like a th- proven thing, but just like yeah. another rumor yeah. that they had sort of had some kind of sexual experience together, right. and that the note set him off. Well, Scott, Scott's mom actually, I read in an old article that. She had said, oh, yeah, they for sure had a sexual encounter. Right. They had a sexual encounter that night or like the night they were drinking together. So um, the Jenny Jones show was then accused by both the media and Michigan prosecutor Richard Thompson of negligence. They argued that this, quote, ambush style of television played a role in the death of Scott Amador. And, um, you know, that was sort of, that became the, the narrative and the Jenny Jones show was actually taken to court, um, civil court, right. For wrongful death, for wrongful death, obviously, uh, you know, Jonathan Schmitz, they knew he was guilty and stuff, but they were trying to get the Jenny Jones show on this too. There was this whole, you guys instigated this, right. You, uh, goaded, uh, Jonathan into doing this. You you pushed a mentally you, ill man, right? Who, you didn't, who suffered from mental illness. You didn't do a background check on this guy. Right. Like he has a history of. Also, they got th- them drunk, right? I mean, I feel like this is already thinking. I'm thinking this has set up a lot of rules going forward it for has. these talk shows. There has been rules put in place since this incident. Um, so Jeffrey Montgomery, who was the head of the of a Michigan LGBT rights group, was furious that this prosecutor, Richard Thompson, was validating this argument about he was pushed into doing this because his he was basically like, so why is it so humiliating right. to be gay? Which at the time was a more progressive thing to question than it would be today because today it's like immediate, like yeah, that is fucking. I mean, that is insulting. Well, but there's to, two, that's not really the point. No, it's not the point. Right. Like, I mean, I don't understand. Obviously it shouldn't, no one should consider it humiliating to be gay, but th- 
that that person felt that way. <laughs> like, do you know right. what I mean? Like people aren't all on the same page. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I get that. I'm just saying that that became, it became part of the narrative. It became part of the story that like, this guy didn't, you know, like it, it right. was really baked into it. There was a lot of homophobia baked into. Oh, I completely, I completely agree, but it doesn't change the fact that the show did that to somebody who had that inclination. Right. Or, I mean, and the show, of course, we know now in hindsight was problematic in its own right, even for making such a speculation about a same sex. Right. Well, crush. they thought they found it titillating. Right. I mean, they pursued it because of that. Yeah. Right. So the whole thing is a mess. No, the whole thing is a mess. Definitely. Um, but this, I'm just saying that this activist, this head of this organization was basically like, you know, how dare you make this excuse for this obviously homophobic guy basically or say that like that's any kind of justification right and, oh it's absolutely no justification right but, but i do think also at that time too you know and there still are plenty of stories like this that happen where um people who you know there's the like people who are um homophobic and they find themselves either engaging in um homosexual sex or they don't want to be you know they whatever they like, take it out on they, the they guy. take it out and on i the know person. plenty of gay men male friends of mine who who've been attacked have been attacked right. after having some sort of uh you know sexual experience with a straight guy right a guy quotes. who says he's straight right um so it is you know obviously that's a real thing that happens definitely um so uh, Jenny Jones had to go to court for this civil case. I remember pictures of her <laughs> during the trial. It's really eerie to watch her. Right. Cause so she's subdued. so, she's so subdued and sort of in professional. Right. Like, it she's, was so weird. Cause like her, the way she talks on her show is so like, Hey, you know, yeah. like, woo, like just like all like, it's so goofy. like eighties female comic. Like it's that so persona cheesy. a lot of them had to take on. It's because you had cheesy. to be a certain way when you were like a female comic in that day and age, you know? Yeah. I mean, she's ridiculous. But um, so she was like, no, neither myself or my show should be held responsible because guests knew beforehand that their crush could have been either a man or a woman. Right. However, Jonathan's friend Donna said that when Jonathan was uh, told that the crush might be a man. He said he wasn't cool with that, but that producers and staffers told him not to worry, and they basically alluded to him that the crush would definitely be a woman. I see. So there so is... So they lied. They lied to him, but there is an argument. You know, the producers and the staffers of the show still adamantly deny that. They say, no, we always said it would be a right. man or a woman, but, like, people who know Jonathan swear up and down that no they basically alluded to him don't worry it'll be a woman right like that was the only reason I mean I can went. see how they could consider themselves having told the truth but still being a little winky to him do you know what I right. mean like right um so in 1996 Jonathan Schmitz was sentenced to 25 to 50 years in prison and after an appeal in 1999, he was retried and convicted again. 
Jonathan ended up serving 22 years of his sentence, and he was released in August of 2017. Oh, wow. He's out. He just got out. He's 47 now. Damn. The Jenny Jones show was ordered to pay $25 million to the Amador family, but then that ruling was overturned, which sucks for them. Like, they won this money, but then it was overturned. Jonathan is back in Michigan living with his parents. And Frank Amador Jr., Scott's older brother, told the Chicago Tribune recently, he said, I wanted assurance that the parole board's decision was not based on just good behavior in prison. I'd like to know that he learned something, that he's a changed man, is no longer homophobic, and has gotten psychological care. I mean, it is sort of crazy to think that after only 22 years, this guy is out. He killed someone. He fucking killed someone. Um, And he was only charged with second degree murder. He was only convicted of second degree murder when this was premeditated. He planned this. He got the money and he he went and got a shotgun. And didn't he have like an, didn't he actually like go in and confront Scott and then go back out and get the gun? Like, I mean, this is not a a moment of heat or a heated moment moment or an argument. He went in, he confronted Scott, but he didn't confront him. He was friendly to Scott. He right. went in and was basically like, hey, oh, hold on. I'll be right back. I got right. to turn my car off. And instead of turning his car he off. He got the gun. He got the gun and went and fucking shot him. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, I would be curious what treatment he's gotten. And what that's called the gay panic defense, right? Right. That was sort of what the um, guy was com- sort of that it criticizing. Be a it's I I completely agree that it should never be a defense. No. What I was saying before is I, I misunderstood what you were saying. I think it is irrelevant. I think it's why he did it. <laughs> like oh, it's gay, why he did yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that's what I was confused about. But no. yeah, I don't think it's a relevant defense. No, it's I not mean, a relevant defense. And that's what the guy. Not. That's what this head yeah. of this organization was saying was like, how dare you? And using it, although their defense attorneys are going to use what they're going to use. Of course they're I mean, gonna, of course definitely. they are, but, but it should be as a society, something we don't accept. I mean, no, it's, it's not an acceptable defense, but um, I mean, defense attorneys are pieces of shit and they do tons of stuff <laughs> that is really bad and horrible. Right. I mean, I mean, but sometimes, yeah. but like, I, I, I just, when it, you're looking to get a guilty person off, you have to go into this victim blaming mode. Right. Usually. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So. Um, I just, but I yeah. mean, that's really the story. But yeah, I, I was sort of taken aback when I realized, oh, my God, like this guy's been out for months now. Just walking right. around. It Murder convictions are so infuriating sometimes. Yeah. Like, why is it first degree and what's second degree? And why do some people, do you know what I mean? Like, it just seems like I'd be so furious time. if I, mean, I was a family member to Scott and the family didn't even get the money from the civil suit. Has he ever apologized or said no. anything regretting no. what he did? No. And, and, and who knows? Like, like his older, like Scott's older brother said, like who knows if this guy is getting treatment. Right. And he's only in his forties. Like, yeah, he's I mean, not old. That's like, crazy. It's wild. It's really fucking wild. I saw some pictures of him from, he looks bad. I looked him up. He looks terrible now. Um, but he, there was like this one photo of him from 2005 while he was still in prison. And he has like really long hair and like a beard and stuff. Oh, I saw that. Was yeah. that him? It's not a good look on him. No, the one I saw, he looked like he did at 24, but puffy. like puffy and pudgy. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. he looks puffy. I did see that beard one, but I didn't realize that was him. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, wow. he looks terrible. There's Ugh. like two different beards. That story was crazy though. 
It's crazy. I mean, it seemed so destined to happen. Like you're putting all these people who are sort of fame hungry. Yeah. And I mean, I'm surprised it didn't happen more often in those days either, because that was really, I mean, this is, that would be a good episode. Like maybe obviously they're not obviously a lot of murders, right? but sort of weird things that happen post those talk shows. Like I'm sure there's like sort of memorable people who I always weird wonder things. what where because these people this is pre reality show days. Right. Too, it's like the it's like the early reality shows. It really was like early reality show. These people are essentially plucked from obscurity. They're put uh-huh. in front of And they used to have things at the end of the show. Call us if you have an oh uncle. Oh my god. Like an uncle was, who yeah. molested your overweight yeah. sister. Yeah. Always. Have you ever done anything weird for sex? Like, I mean it was just like asking for people to make up stuff and like you're kind of sort of make up targeting stuff, but or, people who might be game to just do whatever to get on TV, right? I mean Well, not only that, but also targeting broken people. Right. People who no, are totally. already broken. Well, I just assume if you're anxious to get on TV, you are broken. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's one of the same. <laughs> I was tripping um, thinking about this yesterday. Um, like someone, I'm a, I don't know how I'm Facebook friends with this person. I don't even know this person. It must be like we have mutual friends. I don't know. I'm Facebook friends with this person. And she had posted that she was on the Dr. Phil show this week. What? Yeah. Because that's like hard to get on probably. Well, like, I mean, Dr. Phil isn't like anyone can call up and get on. No, but like her and her family, because she's out of control, this girl, okay. this woman. She's like 36. She's on the Dr. Phil show this week. And I was like, I know this person. Like I'm Facebook friends with this person. And I was like, watched like clips of her episode. And I'm like, damn. And obviously this is a human being who has a lot of problems and the family has problems. And I was just wondering, like, what does it take? I was thinking, I'm like, what, like, I would love to know if anyone knows anyone who's been on one of these shows and like what they tell the person or what the thought process is. Like, do you get offered money? Is, is it because you get offered money? Is it because you get offered treatment? I think that's treatment. And that's the thing that made me really sad is because drug and alcohol treatment or any kind of psychological treatment costs money, especially drug and alcohol treatment. Costs, like to go to a rehab. It costs center, a yeah. lot of money. And Obviously, if you're hard up for cash and you're a drug addict, it's fucking sucks. You can't just go away to some nice ass fucking place. So my big problem with all these reality shows that are based around drugs and alcohol is that it takes advantage of really sick people who need right. money, who should be able to get treatment in private, but all of a sudden they have to air out all of their dirty laundry to everybody and how psychologically damaging that can be to right. them. Um, and then everyone just gets to judge them on TV. Right. And a lot of times you don't see a follow up. No. So that's, or the they imp- fucking that's just, die. The, that's just the impression you have of them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. So I was like watching these clips of this girl who I guess I'm friends with on Facebook, like on the <laughs> Dr. Phil show, just thinking like, damn dude, like this guy makes hella fucking money. Like exploiting people's pain, right? Like the worst moments of their life. That is sort of the um, double-edged sword of these type of shows, right? Like, yes, you want to believe some of them get help that they might not ever otherwise get, but it's at but such it's a exploitive. Price. It's at they're such they're a making price. money off of these people's pain. It, that's what it right? is. So even shows like Intervention, even the best high-level shows, of course, it's all uh, for yeah. money, and it's, it's all- an entertainment. It's entertainment, yeah, and it's not an entertaining thing. Um, 
granted, of course, I've like, like I, mean, I said before, it's I'm, entertaining. <laughs> dude, of course it's entertaining. Yeah. But ultimately, if you think too deep about it, it's sad. I just think like, what I, I mean, if my inter, I had an intervention, like if my intervention was broadcast on national TV, I like looking back on that, like, especially with all the stigma everyone has about drug and alcohol addiction and just any kind of mental illness, like people are such assholes about it. They, right. There's so little people, a lot of people get about it. I would be mortified. But like, what if, you know, like there's, I don't know. I, I was just, but then again, it's like, I loved the Jenny Jones show growing yeah. up. I loved seeing these like fucked up people air their dirty laundry out. Well, the majority of it ends up being fine. And it was like a fun experience for them. There's like so. a small percentage, I think where it is actually bad. Right. You know I mean, what I mean? I feel like most people go on and it's like a hoot for them. They get to go on TV and right. get food and whatever, <laughs> craft, craft services. services. I'm serious though. Like, right. I think it is sort of fun for most people. I think. But that, there's a small percentage where it's like you want to hope that they're sort of being a little careful, but you don't, I mean, look at it. I mean, we're talking about right. people who are getting their first jobs in Hollywood, PAs and like, yeah. well, they don't have any training right. or anything like that. Like, And I do think that there is a difference between shows that are arguably like maybe more scripted or maybe more sensationalized like the Jenny Jones show as opposed to like Dr. Phil where like it appears to be like real people with real fucked up problems. Right. Dr. Phil, I honestly have a bit more problem with his type of show because I yeah. feel like he's presenting himself as like some doctor. Is he really a doctor? I mean, I guess he is, but it's just like he's there's like, something that bothers me more about it because it's like, don't you have some kind of professional code? <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Right. Like, I mean, like, I guess it supposedly makes it better that he might have some kind of training, but at the same time, it's like, Not isn't really. this against some kind of... Hippocratic oath or something. I don't like, know. I feel like I have just as much train as him just for going to so much right. therapy throughout my I life. Have no idea. Like I could regurgitate all the same fucking shit. Me too. I never even went to therapy. <laughs> I've seen enough shows. I know. <laughs> I've seen my shows. Um, cool. So well, yeah. That's um, sad. Do you want to talk about our patrons? We oh got yeah. Some new patrons. We got some new paid patrons 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 on Patreon. Um, so let me give some shout outs here to. Dave. Hey, Dave. Hey, Dave. Um, Az Azriel, uh, Jesse, um, Matthew, uh, Drew, who watches with his his best friend. Did you oh see that God, comment? Oh, my God. Drew, I so, loved your comment that made really my cute. night when I we read loved that. It. Hi, Drew. He called us lovely, too, so we love that. Um, Christina. And then today we have one from Kendra. Thanks, Thank Kendra. You. Thank you, Kendra. Thank you guys Thanks, so everyone. much. It's so great. You it, can check out our Patreon. Yeah. If you want to throw us a dollar or you can even just do a dollar. I actually was thinking about a new dollar, um, a dollar perk we could give out that we're going to talk about after the show, okay. after we were, after we're finished recording, mm. but stay tuned for an exciting new perk. If you can't do $5 a month for our bonus episodes, I've just come up with an idea for a dollar perk that um, hopefully... Um, if you, if you want to toss us a dollar a month, that would be super dope. Yeah. Yeah. And then also check out our, um, Facebook fan page or yeah. whatever it's, it's called. It's a group. It's a group. It's a So it's group. Hollywood, uh, 
crime scene friends. Yeah, Hollywood crime scene. And friends. it's really fun. We post uh, follow up articles on the shows. We talk about things. People give us suggestions. We're pretty active on there. Yeah. And the group is really fun so far. So far, so good. And we're actually nearing um, our first Patreon goal, which is five hundred dollars a month. That's our first goal we're trying to reach. And when we reach that goal. We're going to let our listeners take a poll and vote for our next episode. Oh, we are? Yeah, <laughs> yeah cool. girl. Okay. Um, cool. Okay. So thank you, guys. Thank you. That's it. Bye. Bye.